Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. This Torah portion is 39. It's Chukat um, Red Heifer, and it's Numbers 19, 1 through 22. And it's just such an exciting study um, on the red heifer and the, re- and the I'm titling it the revelation of Jesus and the red heifer because they both coincide with one another and when we uh, study it and everything it's like man God he knows exactly what he's doing he makes everything fit together uh, the way that we can't even imagine that he makes it fit together and you go okay God now I see how it how it works or the symbolism that he gives and the and his um, commandments and statutes and how they work for our good even though people think oh I don't want to do all that and I remember saying that when I grew up Catholic oh man you got all these things (laughs) but I remember when pastor came back from Israel and he had the revelation that he needed to start teaching on the Jewishness of Jesus and he brought it back and like he said we all thought he was nuts like what in the world what happened (laughs) and I, I went up to him I said look I've been, I grew up Catholic, I went through all these rituals you had to do, and I just cannot do it. So you need to explain to me what it is about the Jewishness of Jesus and how that's going to work, because I can't do anymore. <laughs> and he said, it's not all the rituals and everything that we have to do because we're grafted. And he said, but it's just a revelation of who Jesus is, what he did for us, and that he was Jewish and how we are grafted in to the Jewish faith for a reason. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, okay. I said, I can do that if I don't have to do all the stuff that they say that, you know, you have to do. I said, because being Catholic, we had all kinds of things we had to do. You got to genuflect here. You got to do the sign of the cross. You got you to pray the rosary, you know, at least, you know, three times a day. <laughs> you know, and if you do something wrong, you got to do ten Hail Marys, four Glory Bees, one Our Father. <laughs> and did that change anything? No. <laughs> you just keep repeating it and repeating it. I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> but the good thing about being a Christian now and the revelation of it is it's not a religion. And some people still think that it is a religion, but it's not a religion. It is a lifestyle that you choose to live to honor God. And, and, uh, and I love it. <laughs> and reading about this, it's like, okay, he's opening our eyes even more about these um, sacrifices that they did. So, but it's like our goal here is to, um, as most of you know, is to, with this study, is to unite the wisdom of God from the Old Testament with the revelation of the New Testament. And it's not to, you know, get rid of one or the other. And it wasn't made to be like that. And I'll say that again later, but it's like, no, it's one big revelation, one big event. And it's not even a book, it's an event that happened all this time to help us understand who God is, what he can do for us. If he's done it for them, he can do it for us. And sometimes we think we read about all these people, and they were just normal people. 
I mean, he had to send angels to say, get out there, Gideon. (laughs) You know, he had to send, you know, he had to speak to Moses to say, you can do it. (laughs) I'll help you. You Just take the step out there. And sometimes we need that push to, you know, and him to do that for us because we're like, who am I? You know, and, and, and Tiz taught on that, I think, at Ladies Night Out. Who are we? We are the children of Almighty God. Amen. You know, he created us for this specific time, this specific season, and, uh, and it's up to us to fulfill what God has given us from the beginning because he gave us that mandate when we were born before he delivered us here into this world. He knew what we needed to do. He, need, he knew what needed to be done. And that's why he has all the sacrifices back then. Praise God. Our big sacrifice was Jesus, so we don't have to do all that. And we'll talk more about that. But I just get excited talking about it, <laughs> and, you know, because it's just so good. The, the love he had for us, you know, and, and we read, too, where he told us in the Bible. He told them, he said, how much longer do I have to put up with you? You're living too long. (laughs) We're going to take you from 900 years down to 120. I can handle that. (laughs) Or we can handle that. But it's like, okay, God, you give us 120 years, but how many of us fall short of that? And we're not supposed to. So when things come up and everything, sickness and all that stuff, I and my family and, and I go, you know what? I don't know about you guys, but God gave me 120 years. And I, I said, and I want every single one of those years unless Jesus come back. If he comes back, I'm ready to go. <laughs> but until then, I'm going to be like the Jewish people were when they came out of Egypt. There was not one feeble one among them. Not one feeble one among them. And, I, and I'm like, okay, God. <laughs> I, and I remind him. I remind him because, you know, you guys look at me, but I'll be 70 this year. Amen. <laughs> I'll be 70. I said, no, you, you reignite me. You, you know, recreate me every day, every year so that I can live those 120 years and I will not be feeble. <laughs> I remind him, your word says, you said, so I'm standing on it. <laughs> I'm standing on it. So one of our goals is to locate topics, themes, and revelations that show the positive revelation or relationship between the Old and the New Testaments. Because you cannot understand the New Testament totally if you don't know anything about the Old Testament. God wants us to see the entire Bible and his wisdom as one complete and progressive event from the book of Genesis all the way to Revelations. And sometimes we get in those books like Leviticus, it's like, oh my gosh, do I have to read that? But there's so many nuggets of gold in the, in the book. <laughs> so we need and we must see the New Testament as a continuation of the Old. And, um, and we have to know the wisdom of God, of the wisdom of the Old to you know, to understand the new, it's uh, not a replacement. And I just listen to so many people teaching that to their uh, parishioners that it's a replacement. We have replaced Jesus. The New Testament replaced the Old Testament. No, 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 no. <laughs> that is not true. They're missing so much, missing so much. And, and it's like, oh, if you only would open your eyes, God, 
Open their eyes, speak to them, open their ears so they hear what you have for them because it's just so tremendous and so exciting, all the things that we learn on a constant basis, day after day, and it's like, God, I didn't know that. God, thank you so much (laughs) for giving us that revelation. So today's study is an excellent example of what is called the shadow of good things to come. God gives Israel one of the most mysterious Old Testament commandments, the laws of the red heifer sacrifice. And, you know, and it's like, to us, it's like, okay, the red heifer sacrifice, all the sacrifices that they did, and we hear about them all the time. Pastor goes over them. But to us, they're kind of mysterious because they did certain things for them that we don't even have to do, and we don't understand how that happened for them. You know, so we just have to read it and by faith believe it. Okay, they did this sacrifice. This is what happened to them. But because of Jesus, we don't have to do those sacrifices. We just get it. We just get it when we accept Jesus in our lives and we have to own that. We have to own it when something happens in our lives that, you know what? Jesus took care of that. I I don't have to suffer through this. Or if I'm going through this battle, I'm not alone. Amen. I am not alone because he tells us he is with us and he will never leave us. Amen. Amen. Hidden in this teaching are some key principles we believe will flood and empower you with wisdom, knowledge, and spiritual strength. And that is what the Torah is all about, giving us spiritual strength. Because as we can see during these times, we need spiritual strength to even make it through all the junk that's going on and to keep us on an even level because so much things are so many things are bombarding our minds and everything that we can get caught up in that stuff and start feeling down and some people are getting depressed he's like we're not having depression in our lives Jesus took care of all that stuff on the cross and it's like you know what I'm not having that I I remember when I uh, lost a job and I'm like man that was my life you know and then I'm like and I caught myself just sitting in the bed not wanting to do anything. And I had, wait a minute. This is not me. <laughs> this is not me. I, but you have to be, your eyes have to be open to catch the enemy trying to get in there and sneak in there and cause you to have, be anxious and cause you to be depressed. That is the enemy. If it doesn't line up with God's word, it's the enemy. And we need to take authority over those things and and tell the enemy, no, I see you and it is not happening. I have authority over that. I bind that spirit because it's a spirit. I bind that spirit off of me, my family, my friends, whoever. And I release God's authority, his power and his dominion over things like that. And, you know, and it's up to us to do that. And we can because the Bible says what Jesus did, we will do greater things. And we need to remember that he did some awesome things. But the Bible says we will do greater things because of what he did for us. I tell you, it's just exciting. It gets me all (laughs) excited and tingly. The uh, virtual Jewish encyclopedia says... The burning of the red heifer with its blood, the crimson that was combined with it and the red color of the animal itself may allude to the power of the blood to overcome the power of death, which threatens both the sanctity and existence of the Israelite camp. And you know what? And it's the same thing going on for us right now. The enemy is out there trying to kill, steal, and destroy 
us and the things that we own and the, the people that are around us, our family, which is the tightest thing we can have, our family. But, you know, he sneaks in there. But you know what? The power of the blood. Amen. And we need to speak that over our families, even though we're even if you're not getting along with them. You know what? If, if who's going to pray for for them if we don't? Amen. Who's going to pray for them if we don't? Yeah. And so it's up to us to take authority over that thing and and pray for them because no matter what they're going through, God will He'll get in there. And the things that we say, little things. You know, before the arguments start, <laughs> the little things, praise the Lord, you know, that gets in there. That gets in there. The Bible says his word does not come back void. Even with our kids, they might not look like they're doing what we want them to do, but his word does not come back void. Amen. Although we rarely hear about this sacrifice, it's perhaps the most powerful sacrifice God has ever given. And, and you think about all the ones that he, he gave but as I was studying this one, he's right. It is the most powerful one that he gave the people. The ashes of the red heifer were the antidote for coming in contact with death. It doesn't say how one comes into contact with death, but the ashes were what was needed to counter the effects. I mean, it could be you were with somebody in your family that passed away. You knew somebody that passed away. Uh, you touched them. Yeah, and it's like, okay, but... The ashes took care of all of that, all of it. It's a brilliant representation of the redeeming work of our Messiah, Jesus Christ. This is symbolic of the believer's victory over our ultimate enemy, and that's what it is, death, which we all know is the most profound fear most of us have and the dangerous enemy we all will ever face. And when we know that, because we know if something happens to us and we pass away, we know where we're going. And that makes a big difference. When my mom passed away and everybody said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, hey, I'm good. I know where my mom is. But it's when you don't know that somebody in your family or somebody doesn't have the relationship that you have, then there's, a, there's fear. You know, where are they? What are, you, know, what, you know, so that's why we pray for them. But, you know, when you know that you know that you know, <laughs> it makes a big difference. And we feel sad because we're, we miss them. But it's not that because we don't know where they are. Amen. Amen. Jesus, Yeshua, gladly paid the price with his sacrificial death. He was and still is the Lamb of God. The Yom Kippur sacrifice, that's what he is. The daily sacrifice and the red heifer sacrifice. He's all of that, all rolled into one. That once and for all eternal sacrifice. And it's like, hallelujah, Lord Jesus. For what you did, he's the ultimate. All the sacrifices that they did years ago, he all rolled into one, and he took it all. Amen. He took it all. And thank God we don't have to do those sacrifices. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> Hebrews nine eleven through 13 says, But when the Messiah appeared as Cohen Gadol, one of the good things that are happening already, then through the greater and more perfect tent, which is not man-made or of this created world, he entered the holy of, holiest place once and for all. He, and he entered not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood. 
thus setting people free forever. For if sprinkling ceremonially unclean persons with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a red heifer restores their outward purity, then how much more the blood of the Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself to God as a sacrifice without blemish, will purify our our consciousness from works that lead to death so that we can serve the living God. Hallelujah. This sacrifice addresses the key aspect of the fear and finality of death. The fear of death or the actual death of a loved one can emotionally cripple people for life. Some people never get over it. Uh, So God implemented a a sacred ceremony that bypassed the limits of science and our human thought pattern. We don't know how it works. We're never going to understand how it works. (laughs) But thank God he put this in there so he he can do it spiritually. Amen. Because Jesus fulfilled the red heifer sacrifice and our faith in what it promises, we can now overcome any fear of death and any broken heart touched by or the emotional consequences of death can be healed and made whole. We have a life to live, amen, and we live in it for the Lord. Our God knows what we have need of and provides it when we need it the most. He's always there next to us. He's with us every step, no matter where we're going. He's there with us. Isaiah 53 says, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. He turned our backs, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed and and we and we need to speak that over ourselves on a daily basis what he did for us so that we it's so in us that nothing can penetrate that nothing can penetrate that revelation in our lives what i just read was the gospel (laughs) and it's our jewish and as our jewish counterparts teach it's the crop the crux of the entire torah it's what the Torah is all about. That's right. All about Jesus. All about what God does for us. All about what he did back then and all about what he's still doing for us today. The same thing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. So what he did back there for them, those miracles, he can do the same thing for us. Amen. Amen. Though the Messiah's death on the cross He conquered sin and sickness. Then in the tomb, he conquered death. So now through faith in the Lord's death and his resurrection, we now possess the promise that we will overcome in in the very same way. Just like Jesus, he's our example. And because he's our example, we we can do what he did. And we need to own that. We need to believe that, that we can do what he did. We pray for somebody, don't doubt that you're praying, and don't say, Jesus, well, I'm praying for this. No, I am praying for this person, 
because my Bible says I can do the same thing Jesus did. And I believe when I pray, I will have what I'm praying for. So that person, if he's got faith and believe in in what I'm talking about, he's going to get healed. Because you can pray for somebody all day, but if they don't have the faith to believe, it's not going to happen. And sometimes we're like, well, why didn't they get healed? Because they didn't have the faith for it. So we need to make sure people, I'm going to pray for you, and the power of God is going to heal you. You need to rely on it, you need to believe in it, and you need to trust in it that what his word says will come to pass. Amen? I tell you, sometimes it's like, I get so excited that, I, that you know, God, I am so ready. <laughs> I know when, when you first get saved, you can do anything. Amen. I mean, we were on fire. I remember I went to work, and this guy said he hurt his wrist. Oh, well, let me pray for it, you know. <laughs> and, and he was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> but the next day, it was fine, or later that day. You know, he said, you know, my wrist feels really good. Because I would go back, how your wrist feel? You know, <laughs> but we need to still have that same fire. And if we have lost that fire, we need to stir it up inside of us because that power is still there with us because we're a child of God. Amen. That inheritance is for us. Jesus said we can do it. Yes. <laughs> just like he told Gideon, just like the angels told Gideon, God told him, get out there. You can do it. Moses, I got this terrific thing for you to do. <laughs> and he's got terrific things for us to do, too. And we just have to say, okay, God, whatever it is you want us to do. And some of the things he wants us to do, we're already doing some of it. But we have to believe, okay, this, I'm doing this thing, but you know what? I don't even know how I'm doing all this stuff, but it's God in you that is putting you out there to change your atmosphere, change your world, change the people around you, even though they look like sourpusses. You can change those faces because of the love of God in you. And when you speak over them, some people just are like that because nobody acknowledges them. Nobody says, hi, how you doing? God bless you today. You know, sometimes, and, and sometimes that's all it takes. And then they'll be wanting to hear it all the time for you. They'll be looking for you when you're coming around. <laughs> and, the, and their atmosphere and their countenance will change. And, you know, I, I just love the, to hear all that because it's like, yeah, you know what? That's true. When you go into the grocery store, God bless you. You know, because sometimes you look at those cashiers and they're like, I don't want to be here. This is just my job. You know, I've already had some people come through that gave me attitude. <laughs> and it's like, no, God bless you. Today's going to be a great day for you. You know, and, and they go, oh, thank you. You know, and it changed how they look. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, conquered the grave. So shall we. Jesus was resurrected, so we will also be resurrected or caught up into eternal life where we rule and reign with him forever. Praise God. I mean, I am looking forward to that. (laughs) To say, God, what else do you have me to do? Because I know when I met Scott, none of us thought for a million years we would ever be pastors. And, And when he started going to ministry training school, I'm like... I am not trying to be a pastor's wife. <laughs> I said, I just, I can't do it. <laughs> but God changes you, you know, because it's like, you know, he's like, because people tell you, you know, I'm feisty, so I'll tell you in a hot second. And I said, oh, no, I can't be a pastor and do that. <laughs> but some people need that. <laughs> so 
But I was like, oh man, I can't be a pastor's wife. Oh my gosh, people will look at you a certain way. You know, how are you going to live your life? How are you going to have fun? You got to. Because you look at some of them, it's like, I don't want to be like that. <laughs> but it's not like that at all. God, you know, He wants us to live our life, He wants us to have fun. He, you know, it's just like, just don't go overboard <laughs> and get caught up in the sinful part. But, you know, you can still be righteous and have fun. And there's nothing wrong with going out dancing as long as you're dancing the right way. <laughs> Hebrews 2.14 says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. He had to. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. He doesn't have that power anymore, not over us, amen? Isaiah 52, 14 says, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, was marred beyond anything we could ever imagine. And even in the, uh, that movie, um, The Passion, I mean, he looked bad there. <laughs> I mean, it made me cry. So, I mean, if he, and he was worse than that. He was worse than that. They said he was unrecognizable. And, and it's like, man, it, it's so hard for us to even imagine, you know, how he actually looked. One aspect of his powerful sacrifice was that it was, cons- it was totally consumed, totally right down to the ashes, the aspect of the power of the sacrifice, the red heifer, as a type of cremation. The red heifer and the Messiah were totally consumed. That's why we couldn't recognize him. They couldn't recognize him. He was consumed to represent how we are totally redeemed from every sin, healed from every disease, and set free from the power of death, both the sting of the physical death as well as eternal death. The ashes used from the red heifer never lost their strength and power. They had an unexhaust. They had an exhaustible. They had an exhaustible and everlasting quality. And so does the blood of Jesus. Amen. And we need to remember that unexhaustible. I mean, it could go on forever. It will change your life from now until Jesus, till he comes back. And after that, when we come back on this earth, because we're coming back on this earth, everybody said, the earth is going to explode. It's going to, you know, it's going to be messed up because of all the stuff. No, God created this place for us. And we need to all, they're doing all that, causing all the fear. No, we're coming back here. And it's going to be God's kingdom, and we're here today to, to, bring, to make it, the atmosphere change. So when he comes, he's like he's at home. Amen. That's our job, to make, make this earth like his home when he comes back. Because he's going to change everything. It's going to be his kingdom, God's kingdom, and it's going to be totally different. And I said, the earth is not going away. It's just going to be changed to where you don't recognize it. <laughs> And that's, that's, it's so exciting. It's like, you know what, God? Yeah, we're going to come back because he created this place for us. He created it for us. And, but you know what? It's, and it's not going away. People, oh, it's going to change. Well, it changed already. Back in the day, the disciples could walk all across the continent, all across the world, because it was all together. Yes. 
and then with the movement of the earth and the earthquakes and all that stuff, it's separated. Because if you, you know, in science and geography, if you remember, um, if you put all the edges of the continents together, they fit like a puzzle. They fit like a puzzle. So, you know, everything's going to change again. So everybody's like, oh, climate change. Well, let's see. Every 400 years, the earth changes. The glaciers fall into the ocean because they're moving constantly. So things are always moving. <laughs> it's like you forgot the science. You forgot what you learned when you were younger. And they don't teach that anymore. They don't teach anything anymore. <laughs> My friend was here with me, and she's a teacher. And I'm like, don't you teach the geography? Don't you do they don't have to know the continents. They don't have to know the capital cities. They don't have to know any of that. They're just a bunch of knuckleheads running around now. So, so sometimes it's up to us to remind them of how the world works. Remind them of what we know. You know and that's why you know, my kids are like, get rid of those encyclopedias. I said, oh, no, because somebody's going to need these. I said, somebody's going to need these. They're going to have to know what happened in the history. Since they're getting rid of all of our history, they're trying very hard. And it's like, no, 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 no. you got to know the history so you don't repeat it. <laughs> and they're trying to get rid of it so they can repeat all the hateful things, all the things that are not good. They're trying to get rid of it. I watched this show on TV with my grandson called... Um, Listener Kids is all praise and worship and all that stuff on uh, YouTube. And, uh, and they say, because of how big God's love is, I can say, I love love. And, you know, and I thought about that when I said, I appreciate God's love. And I know you do, too, because he loves us so much. It's like, can you imagine telling one of your children, okay, I love this person so much, so you have to go and die for them, or you have to go and get sick for them. It's like God did that for us. He loved us so much, even though he gave us, shortened our lifespan. <laughs> he loved us so much that he sent his son in flesh and blood to be the ultimate sacrifice for us so we can you know, grow, so we can have wisdom, so we can have knowledge, so we can see the revelation of his word in our lives. You know, and I'm like, thank you, God. I love your love so much that I am ready to do whatever it is that you will have me do, even if it's being a pastor. Amen. <laughs> pastor Larry talks about the seven times the priest sprinkles the blood on the altar in the sacrificial ceremonies, and for the red heifer sacrifice, it doesn't change. The priest sprinkles the blood on the altar facing, facing the temple. Uh, with the red heifer, it was then completely burnt together with crimson, crimson dyed wool, hyssop, and cedar wood, the same elements used for the purification of lepers. It's explained in Leviticus 14.4 a little more. The ashes were then gathered, mixed with living water from the pool of Siloam, also called the Messiah's pool, and on the third and seventh days, sprinkled on the person or persons needing to be purified. Just a tiny amount was more than enough to cleanse and restore those people. Amen. Amen. I tell you, it's, it, I, 
It's just the things that God does is just so amazing. And sometimes we take it for granted. <laughs> it's easy to take it for granted because we're living such a good life, you know. But, you know, that's why we study. That's why we reread and read to remind ourselves God is so good to us. He's so good to us. We might not have everything the next person has, but, you know, he gave us the Ten Commandments not to covet. <laughs> but you know what? We can all have the same stuff, you know, it, you know because of what, what we do, what we believe in, how we react to his word. And, you know, are we following his Ten Commandments? And it's like, God, just put it out there, and, and we're going to do like the, the Israelites, the Hebrews said, you say it, we'll follow it, and then we'll understand. <laughs> yeah, in, in Jewish literature, Numbers 19.2 is called Kutat HaTorah, which means the decree of the Torah. Rabbinically, the word Kutat has, some, has, has come to mean a divine or legal decree without any rational explanation. It's a commandment God gives that needs that gives us that needs to be followed, even though it's very difficult to understand why. Uh, and and that's like I, I was telling somebody that's exactly how it is when we get saved. We don't. Why are we getting saved? He told me I need to get saved. Something inside of me is telling me I need to answer that call. You know, and it's beyond our thinking. It's just something inside. It's the spirit of God inside of us, you know, because his spirit is in us, you know. And so it just ignites that to get up, go up there, you know, accept Jesus, and then our lives start to change. You know, God gives us, gives that need to be followed, even though it's very difficult. In spiritual terms, the Lord was giving Israel, you and me, a divine principle that the great sages teach at the crux of the whole Torah. It's the crux of the Torah. It's it's what the Torah is all about. It's what the Bible is all about. What Jesus did, how we can live, how, how the spirit inside of us is constantly changing us, telling us what Jesus wants because the spirit it brings back the word from God, you know, and sometimes we could be around angels and not even know it. You know, I remember in children's ministry, we used to tell them, look at the person next to you. It could be an angel. So be careful how you treat them. <laughs> and that's true. And that is true. You know, the angels come down and help us all the time. There's different kinds of angels. They're angels to minister to us. They're the guardian angels. And then I love it, the warring angels that will do battle for us in the heavenlies because that's where the battle is. And our battle here on earth is right here. <laughs> We just have to believe what the word says and we have to change how we know we should be changing to be closer to, the, to Jesus and to live the life that God has put us on this earth to live. Again, the ashes of the red heifer were used to purify and restore a person who had contacted death, but it had the reverse effect on the one offering the sacrifice. Just as the red heifer's sacrifice has been a mystery to so has the crucifixion of Christ. And, and how many, oh, did Christ really die on the cross? Okay, where did he die? You know, what was it exactly? Is, is, was there really a Jesus? I mean, there's so many things that point to Jesus. You can't say Jesus didn't exist. <laughs> and look at all the people trying to, you know, duplicate what he's, what he's done, even though they're not duplicating it right or correctly. You know, the Antichrist is going to come. He's going to try to duplicate. 
<laughs> so we have to make sure we have eyes to see, ears to hear, so we don't get caught up in that. Amen? Amen. But uh, it's a mysterious paradox. But the Lord is showing us just how far-reaching the results of this unique sacrifice would go. This leads us to another puzzling factor about the sacrifice in that while it purified the impure, at the same time, it contaminates the pure. The priest who prepared the ashes was declared unpure. The deeper meaning of this is unbelievably power. Paul explains it in 2 Corinthians 5.21, which says, he made, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The sacrifice of the red heifer shows us exactly how salvation and reconciliation with God is accomplished. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, was made sin for us. He took our sin and death sentence that goes with it upon himself so that we in turn could receive forgiveness, abundant life, and eternal life. This scripture describes the greatest reversal of fortune in all of human history. Sinners become sons of God because the Son of God became sin. Jesus Christ Yeshua was sinless, innocent, and blameless, but he gave himself willingly to be defiled by sin and death so that in turn all of us, mankind who were defiled by sin and sentenced to death, as a result, could be made pure, righteous, and justified in the sight of God. We just have to know that, believe that, and say, you know what? I am the righteousness of God. I am purified by what Jesus did, and I am justified. I live here because I am justified. You know, my faith is justified. What I believe in is justified. And sometimes we, we forget that, but it's like, thank you, Lord that we have that revelation of what you did. So when the devil tries to shame you, cancel you, condemn you, and put a guilt trip on you, because he will, about your past and what you come from, your past, present, and future, you have overwhelming spiritual power to stop the accusations in their tracks. Say, devil, I see you. I see you, and you are not going to come in my life. You're not going to come on my family. You're not going to come on my children. You're not going to get in my head to where I start doubting God and what he said, who I am. It's not going to happen. <laughs> you need to make sure you're telling the devil that because he'll come back. He'll try to do it. So I said, I don't think so, devil. I see you because it's when you don't see him that he slips in. Yeah. You are a blood-bought child of the king. Every sin is forgiven. Your past no longer defines you. You are a new creation. You have a new beginning with new potential, new vision, and a whole new life because of this sacrifice. Hallelujah. I tell you, God is good. Jesus is good. We need to make sure we're thinking, thank you, Jesus. When we wake up, thank you, Jesus, I'm awake and I'm ready for a new day because of all the things that you've done for me. One unexamined aspect of the red heifer sacrifice is this sacrifice, unlike every other, was to be done outside the camp. Everything else was done inside. Numbers uh, 19.1 goes into detail 
about it. Now the question this raises is that if each sacrifice was a shadow of things to come, and if Jesus' sacrifice corresponds to the red heifer sacrifice, then why isn't it true that Jesus was also crucified outside the city? Because everybody said, oh no, the Romans crucified him. They crucified everybody on the road. So Jesus had to be crucified. And if you go, if you go uh, to Israel and you go through all that, they tell you, oh no, but Jesus, you know, he hung on a tree like everybody else. So when people came by, they could see. <laughs> I, we're listening to him going, all right. No, we already know where Jesus was crucified because the Bible tells us where and describes it. And this is not it. <laughs> I know we're all looking at each other like, okay, we have to sit through this, but I'm like, we know. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 12 says, so too Yeshua suffered death outside the gate in order to, move to, in order to make the people holy through his own blood. There is substantial evidence that a location outside the camp actually existed called the Mifkad Altar. This was located outside the eastern gate, which they keep boarded up, locked up. According to requirements, some 20,000 cubits, 3,000 feet or 1,000 yards from the temple, where somewhere the, near the top of the Mount of Olives, just above the Garden of Gethsemane. Yes. Je- Jewish literature calls the ancient bridge that crossed the Kidron Valley from the Eastern Gate the Messiah's Gate. Uh, over to the Mount of Olives, the causeway for the heifer. So they had to go through there to, to sacrifice the red heifer. And it's like, everybody says when Jesus died, they could see the veil in the temple. So it's like, where they saying Jesus has died now? Nowhere near it. <laughs> the Midnash Midol 2, verse 4 says, the te- all the temple walls were high, save only the eastern wall. Because the priest that burns the red heifer and stands on the top of the Mount of Olives should be able to look directly into the entrance of the sanctuary when the blood is sprinkled. This gives us a powerful reason to reconsider the place where Jesus was crucified. Uh, Did, in fact, the Messiah shed his blood overlooking the temple like the red heifer and in the presence of his father? Of course he would. (laughs) <laughs> of course he would. While there are other traditional sites like the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and the Garden Tomb, these are not outside the camp. They're not outside the city. They are not sacred. Uh, there's not a sacred altar sites, and the temple is not visible from all those places. You just can't, It's totally obscure. Everything's around and you can't see it. Uh, the Red Heifer Altar was the only altar outside of the temple positioned to overlook the Eastern Gate. With a view into the temple, the Holy of Holies, and the gigantic veil, which was some 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, and 4 inches thick. It was torn from the top down, representing it was done from above. Because man couldn't do it. <laughs> so you know God had to do it. Here are some reasons the Lord was most likely crucified on the Mount of Olives. Matthew twenty-seven fifty says, Jesus passionately cried out, took his last breath, and gave up his spirit. At that moment, the veil in the Holy of Holies was torn in two from top to bottom. 
The earth shook violently, rocks were violently split apart, and graves were opened. The men, and then many of the holy ones who had died were brought, they were seen, they were brought back to life and came out of their graves. And after Jesus' resurrection, they were seen by many people walking in Jerusalem. Now when the Roman military officer and his soldiers witnessed that, what was happening, and felt the powerful earthquake, they were extremely terrified, and they said, there is no doubt this man was the Son of God. Son of God. So I have uh, this in the back to remind us who we are in Christ. And uh, so pick one up, keep it, put it on your um, bathroom mirror or wherever you go uh, to remind yourself who you are. The red heifer has long been associated with the Messianic era, which we're in, since Herod's temple was destroyed by the Roman emperor Titus in A.D. 70. No flawless red heifer has been born within the biblical land of Israel, according to rabbinical teaching. But there has been quite a development over the past 20 years in that several red heifers that meet the biblical qualifications have been born in Israel now. This is, a, this is major news because it is extremely rare and it signals that the Messiah is close at hand because he will be the only one left to do that red heifer sacrifice. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Thank you, Father, for your word.